0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Well, all right, we are in week two of a four-part series called The Daniel Dilemma. And this series is all about standing firm in a compromising culture and still loving well at the same time. So, and we're looking at the, the book in the life of Daniel, and last week we learned that the names that you call yourself and the names that you allow culture to call you, they matter. And I love how Pastor said this last week, is that Daniel knew the goal wasn't to be right, it was to have influence, So we can be like Daniel and you and I can become catalysts for redemptive change in our culture right now. We can be be an influence who know our goal is not to be right, but to be effective. And that's really what I want to delve into today is what I want to accomplish is I want to look at what are we standing firm in the middle of? What is the thing that's around us? What is culture really in our time and what does the Bible say about culture and how are they similar? So if we can identify what is around us, what is the culture around us, then we can identify ways that we can try to fix the things inside of us and go back to what God is having for us. So our scripture for the day, if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull it out. We're going to start in Romans 12, verse 2 through 5. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to put a giant Bible up on the screen behind me, and you can read along. So it says this, Romans 12, 2 through 5, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and it is perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul talking, I give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So I want to pray. It's custom that we pray before we get into our message. So I just ask, would you bow your heads with me as we get into today's message? Well, Father, we thank you for this morning, the great message that you've already given us, that your love is uncontainable, God, and it's always reaching out for us. It's, it's, it's always going to be there, and that your name, Jesus, is speak, uh, speaking peace over lives right now. Thank you for that worship, God, and we, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, and God, I just ask for your help. God, I'm not enough. I'm not perfect, so I lean into your perfection this morning. I need your help And God, I just ask that it would be your words, your thoughts, and definitely not mine. The world doesn't need any more of my thoughts, God. So we need yours this morning. Change us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, who here has ever made a bucket list? Anybody? All right, all right. Who here is uh, like my wife, and the first thing on their bucket list is to make a bucket list? Who's that person? Well, that's that's what we're going to go into today. I I started thinking about what were some of the things on my bucket list and what some things I wanted to accomplish in my lifetime. And one of the things that I had on there is that I wanted to travel to all 50 states. It's an enormous country. I want to get to all of the states. And I want to uh, see every Oscar winner in my lifetime, every movie Oscar winner, and then I want to learn how to serve. It's kind of an interesting one, but I definitely want to do that. And then the last one that I th- thought of was I want to see a World Cup game live. I don't know if there's anybody else like likes soccer in here. There's like four people. <laughs> I bless you, soccer lovers, in the name of Jesus. So if you have any tickets for this summer, let me know, and uh, I would love to come with you. And... Uh, then I thought, started thinking about what, what are the things that I've already crossed off my list. And I, I've been to Washington, D.C., our capital, which was pretty awesome. And then I saw Hamilton, the musical, which was really, really good. Highly recommend you see that in your lifetime. And then the last thing, which I would not recommend to anyone, was running a marathon. So the only advice that I have for you, if, if you're running a marathon, the only thing that I would tell you is don't run a marathon. And that's my advice for you, for any, any people, if that's on your bucket list, highly reconsider it. And my only reason is, when I ran my marathon, I, I was so glad I did it, and I was, I was learning myself, I could push my limits and then break through my limits, and I didn't, I didn't even know that I had, and, and it, was, it was great, but I, I definitely wouldn't wish that upon anyone, and And I trained for about uh, 20 or so weeks for this marathon, which is way too long to train for anything, I think. But of course, I get to the marathon, and nothing goes according to plan, like nothing. And so we get there. The race is supposed to start at 7.30, and uh, of course it doesn't. Uh, There was someone on the race course way far away from the start, but there was someone just like waving a gun around, like shooting random cars. So that was the start of the race. That was great. And then, so the brace started about an hour later, which was was in September, so it was going to be a hot, hot day and a hot finish. So I got to about the halfway mark, and I was feeling real good. I was like, I was hitting all my times. I was, my body was feeling pretty good, and then the second half happened, and uh, it started getting hot, and I was starting to get dehydrated and malnourished. And, like, they, they give out, like, these apples and, like, these little squeeze packets that are just absolutely disgusting, especially if you're, like, dehydrated. So I was trying to drink water, but it just nothing was working. And by about mile 20, I thought to myself, I'd probably prefer to die than keep running at this moment. So I got to the finish line, and, and the finish line was actually really cool. You, you, you might know it. it's uh, in Omaha. It's at Hoagland Ballpark, which is where they do the College Baseball World Series, which is, which is an awesome thing in itself. And uh, I thought it would I usually would think it would be pretty awesome unless I hadn't just run 26 miles. But So I get to the, f- the finish line. My family's there. My, my friends are there. They're waiting for me. They're cheering for me. They're smiling, and I'm definitely not smiling. And I get to the finish line. I cross the finish line, and I look up at my wife and my dad, and I just scream to them, Why would anyone pay to do this? And that was, <laughs> that was the first thing I could think of at the end of my marathon, which is a true story, bucket list item, but <laughs> I, I got to the end of my bucket list, and I, I started thinking about, you know, most of this stuff on my bucket list was really all about me, or all about what I wanted to do, but there really wasn't anything, well, there was a couple things that, um, that I, would, I would accomplish with someone else, but I noticed that my bucket list was really, really selfish, and it doesn't take long for us to look at our bucket lists or look at the culture around us and realize that we are surrounded by a culture of selfishness. So you've probably been wondering why the heck we have all these buckets on stage. And that brings me to the title of my message today. If you're taking notes, it is bucket list. So today, I want to expose what I believe is the single culprit to an ungodly culture, and that is rooted in one mentality. We talked about it last week, but I want to dive into it. It's the Babylon mentality. The Babylon mentality. So the book of Daniel is set in a geographical location that is called Babylon. And today, that dirt, that exact dirt, would be called Iraq. And uh, this Babylon, I want to submit to you, is not... A, uh, a locality, but it is a mentality. It's not where you are, but it is how you think. And this is the root, the root of what is an ungodly culture happening around us. And I want to submit to you that this is, this is not just happening at the beginning of the Bible, which it does. It happens in the middle, in the, the end. But I want, to, I want to tell you today that I believe that it's actually happening today in our culture as well. So, if we can see what that mentality is and we can discover how to find it, then we can find ways to fix it. So this mentality, I found it in scripture a lot of places, but the one spot that I thought was the best was in the middle of the Bible. It was in Isaiah 47 verse 10, and the heading in my Bible at the top of chapter 47 says, says the fall of Babylon. So what I want to tell you is that this mentality will confuse you, it'll it'll give you anxiety, it'll it'll take away your peace and it'll cause you to fall where God has taught you to stand. This is the fall of Babylon, verse 10. It says this, you have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. There's nobody here but me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you. We're not as smart as maybe we think we are. And when you say to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. So that last sentence is the really important one. That's the one, if you're taking notes, write that down and and really think about I am, and there is none besides me. So the devil's biggest ploy is to confuse you and divide you from others and the will of God. So the Babylon mentality, in in a nutshell, is just the mentality that that, uh, elevates yourself and then uh, pushes everything else down, including God. So I did some research on the psychology of uh, being selfish and being selfless, and some of these studies were really interesting, but this one was the best, so check this out. It was in 2016, UCLA did a study on where selflessness comes from and whether generosity takes effort or is it our default? Are we designed to be selfless or selfish? And they, 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 they uh, answered that question. So people participating in the experiment received stimulation to the brain, which temporarily disrupted, disrupted the prefrontal cortex. So... This part of the brain, this prefrontal cortex, helps us resist temptation. It helps us make really complex judgment. And if this part of the brain was blocked, if they were answering this question, if it was blocked and people were less generous, they protected, then the front of their brain does the job of blocking our selfishness. That's hard to say, selfishness. Oh, there it is. If the disruption led to more giving, it would mean that this part of the brain blocks our natural generosity. So, are we naturally selfish or selfless? So, in the end, this study helped prove that we are naturally more selfless. So, disruption of the prefrontal cortex led to greater giving, on average, and this part of our brain acted like a control valve for generosity. So, the impulse they found was to be selfless, not selfish, so the science behind how we're wired in our brain actually tells us that we are more selfless than selfish. But let's, let's figure out what Scripture says and what God says about how we're designed. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship. We are made by him, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Luke 6.35, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. That's the part I really struggle with is that last part, expecting nothing in return. We'll come back to that. Is Jesus Jesus said this in John 15, 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So we are wired to be selfless. We're created in the image of God who is a generous God, And we are in a culture that's designed this Babylon mentality that wants us to be selfish. So how do we combat uh, being selfish so we can be selfless and make a difference? So let's go back to Romans 12 and read what that says at the beginning, what we read. So this is truly the way to worship God. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't adopt this Babylon mindset. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if you're confused, do God's will, and when he'll tell you his will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Humble yourselves. Don't think you are better than you are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So instead of this lie that the Bible introduces as this Babylon mentality that I am and there's nobody else besides me, there's no one but me, I am I am and there's nobody but me, let's humble ourselves and let's magnify our God. That's the first thing that we have to do. Let's humble ourselves, admit our weakness. And that brings me to the first thing on the bucket list for today. If we truly want to make a difference in our selfish or selfie culture, we have to humble ourselves, and have the same influence that Daniel have to be a between bucket. That's the first point for today is we're trying to be a between bucket. So we're going to start in chapter 2 of the book of Daniel. And this story, I recommend it. If you, if you have some time tomorrow, if you have day off tomorrow, or you have some time this afternoon, read all of chapter 2. It reads really easily. It's a story that you would like to read. And, and we're going to go through it, though, Daniel, start, the, chapter 2 starts with King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the ruler of the time, and he was having crazy dreams that were just confusing him and, and making him anxious and not allowing him to sleep. And that's the same confusion again from this Babylon mentality. And he called all the Babylon magicians and the fortune tellers and the wise men of Babylon and asked them to tell him what his dreams meant. And so the king told the magicians and the fortune tellers that if they can't tell him both the dream and the interpretation that he would literally rip them to shreds but if he could if the wise man could give him the the dream and the interpretation then he would give them prize and position and so the magician said well if it please your majesty in verse 7 tell us the dream we'll give you the interpretation and the king called them out on their bluff he said hey no I'm not going to give you the dream and you have to give me the dream and the interpretation and the, the magicians and the, the fortune tellers came back and said, that's impossible. You'd need some god to reveal that to you. And so that made the king just even angrier and more confused. And he just ordered all of the Babylon magicians and the wise men to be put to death which actually included Daniel and his three friends. And this is where we pick it up in Scripture. It's Daniel two fourteen through 16. Let's read it together. It's when Arioch, chief of the royal guards, was making arrangements for the execution, Daniel wisely took him aside and quietly asked what was going on. Why this all of a sudden? After Arioch filled in the background, Daniel went to the king. He stood before the king, and he asked a little time so that he could interpret the dream. So Daniel, with everything on the line, literally his life on the line, his friends' lives on the line, he selflessly stood in the middle. He sacrificed his gift, his calling, to help someone who was actually persecuting him. And that's what we have to do is we have to stand in the middle of this selfish culture and humble ourselves to be selfless. So one thing that maybe the most profound thing that God taught me this week as I was preparing this message was that I thought that being selfless was on one side of the spectrum. And that selfish was on the other side of the spectrum. So you can be really, really selfless and that's where you wanna be, on the other side of the spectrum. You're pouring out for other people and it's great. Or you can be selfless or selfish and really, really protect everything that God's given you. But the thing that I learned was that selfishness was actually on both sides. Selfishness is on every side of us in our culture and we have to stand in the middle to be truly selfless. So we are all either pouring out on the grace side or we are protecting on the truth side. So the, that brings me to the first lie, of being, first lie about being selfless is that an empty bucket is the best bucket. So I want to explain this to you in this way. So the empty bucket, this is the grace side of, grace side of the spectrum. This empty bucket we're just pouring out, we're pouring out, but maybe we're not pouring out into the right people we're not pouring out into the right things and so we're just pouring out at random times thinking we're being selfless doing acts of service doing good things and then more often than not this is where we're pouring out but we're not actually taking care of our own issues we're just pouring out to pour out and this extreme this part of the spectrum paralyzes us because we don't have anything left to pour we're empty We're empty at the end of it because we poured out everything we have. And that makes us ineffective. And this side of the spectrum, this is our uh, second lie. This is that we need to protect our bucket. We need to protect everything that God's given us. So this is where we've either been burnt out or we've either seen someone that's been burnt out. We've seen that side of the spectrum. So why, why would we ever do that? And so this part is we're taking care of our bottom line, which is me, my bottom line. I want to protect what I have. And this is where we have what we need to make a difference, but we choose to live in our comfort zone and keep our resource inside of us. And this, in Christian, uh, in in the church, this is, I think, something that happens to me all the time is that God has done so much in my life. I have such a great testimony of how good my God is, and then I just leave it in my bucket. I'm too uncomfortable to go tell someone about it. I'm, I'm too uncomfortable to, to really say something about it or make a difference. And, it, and this is something that I really, really struggle with. And so this, this side of the spectrum paralyzes us because we can't get out of our comfort zone. And we can't actually pour out. So in Daniel's case, with this bucket... He would have given in to culture, he would have poured out to the king, he would have eaten the Babylonian food that God told him not to, and he would have just been an empty bucket. The grace side and the truth side is he would have had the truth of the both the interpretation and the dream and he would have held it to himself because he didn't want to help the person that was actually different than him or who thought differently than him or who looked differently than he did. So, what's the right bucket? And the, the thing I want to just contend to you is this, is that we have to be between buckets where we're pouring out to people, but we're actually dealing with the issues that are inside of us and we're, and we're using the thing that God has given us. So that every one of these buckets, every one of us, I have leaks. I have leaks in my bucket. So the, the second point today on our bucket list is to be a, the, the, most, the most effective and have the most influence in our life, that we have to be a better bucket. So let's book it, look back at what Daniel did when his back was against the wall. It says in Daniel 2, 17 and 18, Daniel then went home and told his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and what was going on, and he asked them. Everyone say, ask them. Everyone say, ask them. Ask them. All right. To pray to the God of heaven for mercy in solving this mystery so that the four of them wouldn't be killed along with the whole company of Babylonian wise men. So the lie of culture is that I am and there's none besides me. So to combat that, we have to humble ourselves. We have to think less, less of ourselves and more of our God. And then we have to admit our weakness, admit when our back's against the wall and ask other people to help fix our leaks. So I have three buckets up here that symbolize what some of our leaks might be. And I identify with all of them. And I was convicted literally by all of them. So I, I hope it helps you. This first one, this is Brock. Brock the bucket. And he, Brock says this. He says, I am and there's no one but me who could ever understand what I'm going through. There's no one but me who could really, really help me. I'm just on my own. This is something I have to deal with on my own. And so he blocks, Brock blocks, anyone who wants to try to help pour into their lives and make them better. They are protective of their water. So he isn't really getting any better. People are trying to pour into him. People, are, people he loves, people who want to help him, who, who are trying to pour into him, but they just can't get anything in because he doesn't trust And that's the the thing with Brock. The thing that would make Brock better is if he started peeling back a little bit of his mask, peeling back a little bit of what's going on in his life, and he lets other people pour into him enough that he can fill up again, and so that way he's not stagnant. He's not stagnant. And that's the, the lie that Brock believes is that he needs to keep and protect his water. So maybe you're not like Brock, but you're a little more like Betty, so Betty, it was right here in the middle. And Betty, it's not like one big thing. And, and, and Betty, she she really does let people pour into her. She does, and she doesn't mind that at all. She she likes when people pour into her. But with Betty, it's it's a little bit different because when she is full, it's the little thing. So she she pours, lets people pour into her life, which is good but as soon as she starts pour, getting people to pour into her life, she starts pouring into other people's lives, which is good, but she's actually wanting something in return. She's expecting, hey, or she's thinking to herself, why don't they appreciate me? Why, why aren't they actually saying thank you? Are they going to actually give anything back to me? And there's these little holes, these little leaks in her bucket that add up to be a bigger problem than the problem that she had before because she's empty at the end of it. So Betty needs to confront her bitterness, and she needs to start with her earliest her earliest leaks and start working on repairing her leaks so she can pour out to other people. So maybe you're not like Brock or maybe you're not like Betty, but maybe you're like Barry, you guys have no idea how much time I spent in a thesaurus looking up B-words. I'm, I'm here to tell you. Whew. Okay, one, one thing about Brock is that he, he actually does let other people pour into his life, which is good. He, he's not like Brock in that way, but he's not like, uh, he's not like uh, Betty either, because you can't really see what's going on in his life either. But there's this thing that he might be hiding, this thing that... He thinks he's too far gone for that. He thinks that maybe, you know, I, I can't do anything about that. It's, I'm too far gone. And so that's Barry. He buries, he's buried everything in his life, and he thinks that he's too far gone to help anybody else. And so when Barry tries to, to help someone out, he, he lifts it up, but as soon as he does, water starts pouring out from that thing that he's been hiding all along and so that's Barry and and sometimes with Barry we have to let other people help you with the thing that you think only you can deal with so this is where we try to pray away the problem that we persistently provide for ourselves rather than what God wants you to do which is to perform a process to get to the prize we wanted all along so I'll say that again, is that we, pry, we try to pray away our problem that we persistently provide for ourselves rather than performing a process that, to get us to the prize that God wants us to see all along. So this, this is my, one of my favorite things about church in general, is that because there are people that have had your problems, there are people that have had your leaks, but they have had victory patching their leaks. They they are a whole bucket, and what they can do is they can come alongside you and help you fix your leak, and they can help you retain that water, and that way you can truly make a difference, even though you thought you were so far gone that you can make a difference now, because someone is coming alongside you, carrying you along the path, and that is what Barry needs to do. He needs to take small steps to repair his bucket, and... And that's, um, that's what we need to do is start repairing our buckets. And the, the lie that culture tells us is this, is that self-care is selfish. When you take care of yourself, that's actually the most selfish thing that you can do. And that's what culture tells us to do, is to just keep pouring out or hold on to your stuff. But God is telling us that Daniel asked help when his back was against the wall. And that is what we need. I want to submit that this morning that self-care is the only way that we can be self-less. So that brings me to my final point. And Daniel humbled himself. He thought, you know, God is more than me and I am less. And then he asked for help. And then he started repairing his bucket by prayer. But then he he started to overflow to the people around him. And that is our last point, which is our breakthrough bucket. So the breakthrough bucket happens when you realize you can make the biggest difference when you aren't pouring out to help other people. But when you are asking for help, you're getting poured into, you're repairing your bucket, and the goodness flows to those around you. Heather, I'm gonna ask you to come up and help me with this last point. So this last part is where you're standing firm. You're standing firm. You don't even have to pour out anymore. You're just standing firm, and you let other people pour into you. You have a great, great system, and you can just overflow right over to the people in your life, rather than being empty. And that's when you realize that the lie is truly that you, you, you have to be empty, empty to help other people. And that's what I want to tell you today is the overflow of people in your lives. Once you've repaired your bucket and helped yourself, that's when we make the biggest difference, when we're standing firm and we're pouring out grace. And that's what this uh, story ends with. So I want to go back to what Daniel has is this Daniel was uh, praying with his friends, and, and he, God gave him both the dream and the interpretation. And so he went before the king. He said, hey, I've got it. Let me tell it to you. And, and the king said, okay, all right, let me know what it is. So Daniel told him the dream, and then he told him the interpretation. And the interpretation was that the kingdom of God will be uh, like a mountain that is immovable. And that is the thing that breaks down, breaks down what, what was going on in King Nebuchadnezzar's head. And then because Daniel stood in the middle, he got to witness to him. So I want you to check this out. Daniel 2, 44 and 45. It says this, But throughout the history of these kingdoms, the God of heaven will be building a kingdom that will never be destroyed nor will his kingdom ever fall under the domination of another. In the end, it will crush the other kingdoms and finish them off and come through it all, standing strong and eternal. So we can be fleeting and selfish, or we can follow a God that is eternal and selfless. And this is what it says. It will be like the stone cut from the mountain by the invisible hand that crushed the the things that you thought we're holding you back. And then Daniel says this. The great God has let the king know what will happen in the years to come. This is an accurate telling of the dream. And the interpretation is also accurate. It goes on in 46. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar does. He falls on his face all because before of Daniel. And he ordered the offering of sacrifices and burning of incense in Daniel's honor. He said to Daniel, your God is beyond question the God of all gods. He got saved. And the master of all kings, he solves all mysteries. I know because you've solved this mystery. I want to read that last part again. It says this. And he solves, or your God is the God of all gods, the master of all kings, and he solves all mysteries. I know because you've solved this mystery. So the point at the end of this is that when Daniel stood firm, when we stand firm, we overflow to other people. The people in our lives, the culture around us can't help but see how good our God is. And that's exactly what happened with Daniel and the king. As soon as the king humbled himself, his confusion, his anxiety was washed away and peace was restored in his life. The Babylon mentality was washed away. So after this, the king made Daniel governor. He he gave him everything he would have ever needed. He gave him position and power and the prize. But the thing that was most important that Daniel had, he he didn't care so much about the prize and position. He cared that he made a difference while not compromising his belief. He could stand firm for what he believed in and show grace to the person who was confronting him. So everyone needs to hear that they should humble themselves and ask for help, but the breakthrough happens when we change our source. So maybe you're here and you don't have any faith or you you're struggling or you are worn out or you're exhausted, you're empty. You're the empty bucket. Or you're the person that you stagnated for so long. You, you haven't grown like you wanted to. You, your, your work hasn't grown, your marriage hasn't grown. I want to offer you, to you that there is a different source. So if you leave here, this would be a great message if you, all you heard was that you need to humble yourself and you need to ask for help. That would give you the tools, but that wouldn't give you the transformation. So the last thought I have for you is this, is that people are a finite resource, so no matter how many people you could get in your life, no matter how many people around you, no how many good things, no how many good music, good, good things in your life, that they have a, they're gonna be empty by the time they're done pouring out to you. But what I wanna tell you today that there is a well that never runs dry. There is a God who wants you to tap into him to give you an infinite source that will never stop pouring into you if you humble yourself before him. So that's, what I want you to leave here with is not just the tools, but the transformation. Because we can have a good life with people. We can have a good life with church. But we have our best life with our Savior. And when we lean into what God wants for us.